0: Welcome to the 4,000 Weeks Podcast, the weekly audio dispatch from 4kweeks.com, hopefully helping you to squeeze every ounce of goodness and juice out of your life and encouraging you to do the best that you can. You might want to subscribe to our newsletter, which is basically just uh, you know all the content that is in this podcast, because there's extra links Extra context and occasionally extra discounts on 4K Week's products. So maybe you want to do that, maybe you don't. Let's get into it. It is week six. Before I start, I need to mention something that happened in week five. I got an email from Alan um, uh, about the podcast, Alan S. And I want to say he he had some criticism that was constructive and well received. I'll tell you what it is in a second. I was minimally viable trying to start this podcast. Um, I had three people in one day tell me that I should have a podcast and that seems stupid. But then also I was like, well, maybe that's just fear talking. So let's just try it. So how can I do that easy? Well, I've got GarageBand on my Mac. I've got a microphone because I'm in a band and I've got an email newsletter that I write every week. So let's just read the newsletter and riff on it a little bit. So... Typically what I do is I just start recording. I write the newsletter. um, I schedule it to be sent the next, you know, two days later, and then I just hit record and I look at my notes and I do this podcast. Well, what that means is I'm not necessarily prepared for the thing that comes next. And so I mispronounce the name of a fairly profound person in Remarkable Weeks. And I would like everyone to know that I do now know how to say Nguyen, which is the pronunciation of the name Uh, that was in last week's email. So Alan, thank you very much for the constructive feedback. You were right. I should have taken a second to um, get the pronunciation right before I just said it and then stumbled because it was a profound moment. And I stole a little from that moment because I wasn't prepared. So thanks for sending me a note. If you guys have a note, Spencer at 4k weeks is my email. I would absolutely love to hear from you. And now let's dive into it. It is week six of 2024. Week six is blasting us in the face with a gust of icy winter wind. It's almost as if the wind is just daring you to stick to your plan, asking you, do you have enough courage to do the important work in the face of a stiff, icy winter wind? It's time for you to walk over to your 4K Weeks poster and fill in another square. Are you done? All right, here we go. Remarkable weeks this week. Week six of 2021, Charlie Chaplin debuts his inaugural full-length feature film as a director. The movie was called The Kid. It was a silent movie, and it featured both Charlie Chaplin and the six-year-old Jackie Coogan. It was the second highest grossing film of that year, and that was only 103 years ago. Silent Movies. Think about that the next time you go see a Marvel movie where 90% of it is computer generated. That 103 years ago, the number two grossing picture had no sound. Charlie Chaplin was 1659 weeks old, or just about 32 years, just shy of 32 years. Week six of 1964, The Beatles first appeared live on The Ed Sullivan Show, captivating an audience of 73.7 million television viewers. They are considered the most influential band in history, and maybe there's just no arguing with that. Yep, I'm just going to leave it at that so when my wife listens to this, <laughs> we don't have to discuss it. And I will say, it is the screams from the young girls that really gets to me. When you hear Ed Sullivan say, the Beatles, the, the, it is a very special tone and volume. Man, the rock band was around 215 weeks old four years week six of 2005 Ellen MacArthur an English sailor sets a new record as the fastest person to sail solo around the world completing the journey in 71 days 14 hours 18 minutes and 33 seconds and I just want to imagine I want you to imagine for a second being alone with your thoughts for nearly all of 71 days Now, I know she had a support crew. I'm sure that there was a boat following her, but they were likely not engaging with her at all. And I like to think of myself as a fairly self-contained human being, but I can't even really imagine day five of nothing but the constant chatter in my brain. So, kudos to her, because that is spectacular, especially that she was 1,492 weeks old, 28.6 years. Okay, this week's quote, there's a couple, these has been good ones lately, and I like this one. Whatever we expect with confidence becomes our own self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm going to read it again. Whatever we expect with confidence becomes our own self-fulfilling prophecy. That quote is by Brian Tracy. And a long time ago, my first business coach, Doty Jacoby, and if you're out there, Doty, hello, said this to me she said, what you focus on will increase. And I have found that to be true over and over and over again in my life, both good and bad ways. And back then it felt like such a profound sentiment. I was new to, um, intention, right? No, I had, you know, nobody had ever kind of crystallized, uh, words around how much control you have over what is possible for you. And, um, It felt really profound and true and so simple. If you believe that your brain is full of energy, then your thoughts have energy and what you focus on must increase the energy going to that thing. And so what you focus on must increase. And so I think this Brian Tracy quote is very similar, right? Whatever you expect with confidence becomes your own self-fulfilling prophecy. The sticky part of the Tracy quote is the confidence piece. I've been doing a ton of intention setting lately. I've mentioned that we're in the middle of doing this kind of level up training in all of our businesses, my wife and I, and it's spectacular. And in fact, the first week was just spent on mindset. And um, I'm a fairly brass tacks, reality based dude. Um, I believe in things that I can see, touch, feel and hold. Uh, But I also believe that I know nothing about the universe. And so I have been leaning I have previously and I have I am now leaning hard into the intention setting, not the goal setting of we want to get to, you know, 10x revenue in one year, whatever. That's important. I do that. But the uh, this is who I am and this is who I'm going to be kind of vision. Right. And um, I think I've been noticing there's been a lot of like repeating things, uh, repeating goals that I've set for myself Um as if they are the thing that has already happened in the future, you know, so, so where do I want to be at the end of 2024, you know, walking myself through where I have been, where I am, and then s- stating the belief of 2024 as if I have already arrived there, that kind of stuff. And I have found myself on occasion falling into a realist trap, a trap of doubting the possibility of the future matching my vision because I live in the real world. I, 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 uh, believe in things I can touch, see, feel, and hold, and that is not yet something that I can touch, see, feel, and hold. And yet I'm supposed to feel like I can touch, see, feel, and hold it, so that I can make it true in a whole bunch of little ways that I don't have control over. And so I was thinking about this quote, and I was realized I've, that I've been using two tools to combat that you know negativity that's disguised as realism, right? And the first tool is specificity. And I want to say ahead of time, I don't know if these are going to work. I'm just trying to muddle my way through the dark like the rest of us, but this is what I'm doing. The first tool is specificity. I'm not exactly sure how we will get to the finish line on some of the goals that I have set for myself and for us, but that is not stopping me from visualizing in very intricate detail what the finish line looks like. Like down to the way the finish line material is gently flapping in the breeze kind of detail. And I think, you know, I'm sure you've heard about um, Michael Phelps, the swimmer. Um, His coach would have him visualize over and over and over again. He'd say, run the videotape. And the videotape is the race in real time, in his mind, as he's laying in bed. Because when you've gone over it so many times, it is just, well, this is what happens, right? So that's the first tool that I'm using. And the second tool I am using when I come, you know, when I come face to face with the thoughts in my head that are like, well, come on, we're we're not going to, is it really, is that really going to happen in six months? Really? When I come in contact with those kind of thoughts in my head, I stop for a second, I step out of my current self and I try to get back into the shoes of my 30 year old self. So 16 and a half years ago so that I can gape in awe of how far that I have come. And I mean to tell you, this is a hugely valuable tool. Like seriously, the the kid that I was back then, the kid who was juggling everything, like, okay, this is a, this is a purchase that I want to make. And if I get 10% off for the credit card and if I use 12 months, same as cash, then I can afford it. And then if I can buy that sliding compound miter saw, then I can do this job. And if I can do that job, I can make enough money. And that's a true thing. I actually went to home Depot and I remember thinking, okay, like I've got a, this hundred dollars and then I'm going to get the 10% off for signing for the credit card. And I wouldn't even blink today. If I needed, if I needed to go buy five of those saws because for a project, I would just go buy them. And so, um, like, it is both from a financial success perspective, because that's a really easy thing to measure, but also from, like, a who I am and how I think perspective. The kid that I was at 30 would be impressed and proud of the man that I am at 46. And so when I'm projecting about who I'm going to be at 50 – Well, I should think back and see how far that I've come because it's impossible. At 30, it was impossible to imagine this reality today because it's so amazing. And I just want to encourage you, like, first of all, the only person you should ever compare yourself to is the person you were yesterday, the day before, the day before, the day before. And second of all, that's a really useful thing to do. Nearly every single one of us overestimates what we can get done in a day and underestimates what we can get done in a year. And so you should expect great things for yourself because we are all counting on you to make the most of you. So that's the soapbox for the quote. I feel strongly about that. I I feel really strongly about that. Uh, Start expecting great things of yourself and start visualizing them happening and then do all the little tiny things that you don't even know that you're doing so that 10 years from now, you couldn't be more proud of the person you've become. It's not very hard. Well, no, it's not very complicated. It is hard, but you can do it. Okay, I added a section to the email this week, and you guys aren't going to see the visual, but you can see it on our Instagram feed. It's at the 4K Weeks on Instagram. And I have been reaching out to a lot of customers lately, uh, customers of 4K Weeks, and talking to them and just trying to get... um, a sense of who these people are. I'm trying to build a community here. And in order to do that I have to know who people are. And so I've been asking people, you know, send me a cop send me a picture of your poster and tell me about it. If you do something special or if you just wanna if you have thoughts about it. And so I got this email from Winnie. Winnie is an artist and Winnie is 81. And she has a poster. She has a hundred year four K weeks poster and you can see it on the Instagram feed. And I saw her poster and I was like, man, it takes a lot of courage to look at that every day. Because when you look at my poster and you can see my poster behind me, boom, right there, it's about half open, half half unfilled. I got a, a decent amount of time left, enough time that it doesn't feel like there's not enough time. And so I reached out to Winnie and I was like, do you have anything you want to say about this? Because, you know, it's profound. And I'm going to read you what Winnie said. Um, so these are Winnie's words, right? She emailed me and she said... It isn't for cowards. It's not much different than having your doctor tell you that you have five years to live. That's, a, that's insane. Sidebar. That's a, she, she's right, but also that's staggering. And back to Winnie. One result is that I'm starting to say no a lot. My life had become so busy doing little local open call and juried theme shows for her art career. Each one was a distraction. It wasn't joyful. It was work. I was painting things that I wasn't interested in painting. I was turning my focus away from the work I really wanted to be doing, although I was telling myself that these projects were a good thing because they got me into the studio and kept me working, but it was a form of procrastination, preventing me from doing the real, authentic work. After receiving my, da- my calendar, and she calls it her death calendar, which is awesome, I didn't interact with it for many months. But since I have started, fill, started filling in those tiny black squares, I am stunned by how quickly the weeks are flying by. I am sure that because of my age, the weeks seem shorter, not like the summers of my childhood. All I can say is, thank God I got the 100-year version, or I wouldn't have many squares left. I believe that the calendar is having an effect on my art process, and learning to say no is a biggie. So that's what Winnie said, and I just want to add a teensy bit of context Her time is not any more finite than yours. And so saying no to things that are productive procrastinations, let's call them, is just as important for you as it is for Winnie. Because while we all know the reality of life expectancy, and we all know that it is unlikely for most of us to live at this current age, past 100 It is looking at Winnie's calendar, it's like, man, there's not that much space left. And looking at my calendar, it's like, well, there's a little more space left, but I could die tomorrow and you could die tomorrow. And so truly, um, there is no difference between how precious the next week is for Winnie and how precious precious it is for you, because none of us are guaranteed that next week. And so you should take the lesson from Winnie. If there is work that you're doing that you know in your heart of hearts is not the real work you should be doing, then stop it and start having the courage to say no. So that's the new section. I'm calling it What You Are Doing. So we'll see if it shows up next week. What am I consuming this week? Okay, um, there's a couple things in here. Uh, A couple of podcasts and no books um, because I've been really busy, but also a recommendation. So the first is The Gray Area with Sean Illig. Um, His guest was Ingrid Robbins. And the title is "The Case for Banning Millionaires," and so um, that's a very clickbaity title, right? But it's a very interesting discussion of about what is good for us. Now, I, for one, am not in favor of banning millionaires. <laughs> uh, I love capitalism. I mean, we have to acknowledge the inequities. We have to acknowledge that some of us start on third base, even though we feel like we've done it all of our all ourselves, and some people start out in the parking lot, not even at home base. We have to acknowledge that, right? But I don't know yet know of any other th- uh, framework that has done more good for more people in the world than capitalism. So I'm, I'm not in favor of banning millionaires. Billionaires, we can start having a discussion, right? I personally think, and this is interesting, this would be the first time I've gone on record of saying this, but I do believe it to be true for myself. I think that a personally enforced wealth limit of $10 million is a super reasonable suggestion, meaning that you, over $10 million and you just start wholesale donating it. Um, I believe that to be true. But one, one sticky part about any discussion about an upper cap is that almost everyone wants the cap to self-interestedly be just a few dollars more than they have. And so, um, obviously we're all self-serving in a little bit, but I do think that like, um, people who are doing awesome things aren't doing it because of the money. Um, I do think that, I mean, of course, everyone can justify everything, all of their things for themselves, right? I don't know what it's like to have $100 million in the bank. Maybe it feels just as anxiety provoking as having $10 million in the bank, right? Um, so who am I to speak for everyone else? But I just feel like for me and for all the people that I know, $10 million or less is, is a reasonable wealth limit, um, It doesn't buy any, you know, happiness pretty much stops being bought at about $100,000. It's sticky because how would you possibly legislate that? Anyway, gosh, uh, I'm on the soapbox again. The podcast is amazing and you should listen to it. And you should think, you know, there's the book, somebody recommended to me uh, the other day, um, the book Die With Zero, which a few people have read or have suggested that to me. Who was it? Hold on. I'm just looking through my email here real quick. Michael recommended the book to me, Die With Zero. And I think... You need to know what your number is. What's enough money? Because if you don't know what enough money is for you, then it's just a little bit more forever. Okay. Off the soapbox. Uh, Tim Ferriss show number 717 with Noah Kagan. Again, the theme seems to be clickbaity titles this week. Uh, he, He has a new book. Kagan has a new book called How to Launch a Million Dollar Business This Weekend but there's a lot of really good stuff in there about how to get started and how to make things happen and how to quickly assess if something is worth pursuing and how to kind of get yourself off the starting line. If you have something that you're thinking about getting started, but you haven't been getting started, you should listen to that podcast and possibly buy his book. I have not read the book, but the podcast is good. Okay. Uh, those are the two podcasts. The next thing is my new nutritionist. So, um, you can, I, if you want to, nutritionist recommendation, I will send, you You can email me and I will send you her contact info or you can subscribe to the newsletter. Leslie Bonsi, my friend told me to tune in to listen to the uh, local NPR affiliate the other day. And it was it's K C U R is our local NPR affiliate because the Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs nutritionist, was on talking about nutrition. And uh, you know, everyone in Kansas City right now is Chiefs crazy, and so they had her on. And as I listened, I thought, man, I should email her and ask her if she does private consultations. So I did. I Googled her, I looked up her website, I shot her an email, fully expecting her to be way too expensive. And that's fine. It's still worth reaching out. And I think there's a lesson in there, right? Just reach out the world is as small as it's ever been. You can just email somebody. What's the worst that can happen. They ignore you. That's literally the worst thing that can happen is that they just don't respond. Uh, Even if they say no, that's still better than the, you know, so you should do that. Um, But anyway, we had our meeting yesterday and it was amazing. And she like totally listened to all of my goals, which my main goal right now is to have enough stamina and energy to start adding a second day of basketball. Today is Friday. Uh, Basketball wrecks me. This is about the only thing I can do today with a competent brain because I'm so exhausted and I want to add another day in. So that's going to be largely nutrition. And I think maybe it's because I haven't eaten hardly any carbs uh, during the week in the last year that I've been so exhausted at the end of basketball. But we will see because now I have a new nutritionist. Um, And so that's going to be awesome. Um, I'm really excited about that. And I put this in the email and I'm just going to tell you now, my trainer, uh, the guy who I work out with every week. Um, He says everyone should spend 5% of their income on wellness in some way. And I think that's a super good rule. Like, you know, you have rules about percentages of money you give and percentage of money that you save, et cetera, et cetera. None of that matters if your body goes to hell. So you should spend money on your fitness. Okay. There's some good Instagram nuggets, but you will just have to click on those. Um, One of them, I'm going to tell you about one of them because the title I put in here is be a great dad to the world. It's just a little video of a dude who. Uh, took a can of WD-40 to his neighborhood park and oiled all the hinges and just can't believe how much satisfaction that that gave him. So I just said, be a great dad to the world, right? Walk around with your WD-40 fixing things for people. Um, okay, we're almost done. Running a little long today, but that's okay. I hope you're enjoying it. Gosh, dang it. And I sure would love it if you'd email me. I feel like I'm shouting into the void. I know that there are people who listen because you know, some people tell me, um, but I don't know how many, it might be three. So if there's three of you, hello, it might be 300. If there's 300, great. Uh, shoot me an email. Let me know what you want to hear. Okay. What am I thinking about this week? Taylor Swift. And I, in the email, it just says, okay, 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 okay. This might seem cheap or even clickbaity. And that's true. I, I'm sure that people like, oh my God, can we stop talking about Taylor Swift? But this story is true and it's about what matters. And it happened just the other day and I want to share it with you. Um, So a little bit of background, I, I have two young kids, 14 and 11, uh, and my wife, of course, and I turned our family on to Taylor Swift in 2019. So I heard this song by Rustin Kelly and Rustin Kelly is kind of like a country alternative, uh, singer. And I was like, man, that's a great song and it sounds familiar. And so I Googled it and it turns out it was a Taylor Swift song, um, It was a, you know, a really popular Taylor Swift song. And I was like, that's why I I heard it. And so um, I listened to that version and I actually liked her version better than his version. And so, you know, at that point I had a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old and we started listening to Taylor Swift because I absolutely love sharing things with my kids. Like the the cultural shift in how much more friendly I am with my children than my parents were with me is awesome. I'm not saying you you should be your kids' friends. You have to be their parents. But... I know my kids way better than my kids knew me. And that's just a cultural shift. But so that was the background. I want to say this. There is a very, very important thing that is that is not getting talked about in all of the celebrity who what shiny glitter football player, love life, drama, distraction machine media incentivized to show us the same thing over and over again because we respond to it, blah, 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 blah. And that's what this is about. So my daughter loves Taylor Swift. We listen to, when when my daughter is in the car, we are listening to what my daughter wants to listen to. And lucky for me, I like almost all of that music. Uh, We were driving and listening to the 10-minute version of All Too Well, which is that song. And so um, there's a part, so first of all, it's a staggering work of creativity to write a 10-minute song That doesn't get boring. And to her credit, there is enough dynamic movement in that song that it does not get boring. And so there's a verse way late in the song that says, you who, I'm going to read it like it's a poem because you don't want me to sing it to you. You who charmed my dad with self-effacing jokes, sipping coffee like you were on a late night show. But then he watched me watch the front door all night, willing you to come. And he said, it's supposed to be fun. Turning 21. So that line came on and I just kind of said to my daughter, that's profoundly insightful and I really admire her craft. Now, I am always talking about craft. I don't know if you know this. I went to art school. I have been talking about it since then. I have been wondering about it since then. And I've been trying to decide what it is since then. When I was a freshman art student, I just wanted to learn how to weld steel and cast bronze. I was an 18 year old. I knew nothing about the world that the world cared to hear from me. So I just wanted to learn how to do things, right? I didn't want to talk about what does it mean, right? Because I didn't know and nobody cared my opinion anyway. And so that's when I really started getting into and focusing on craft. And like, it used to be an ax that I would grind because people would put this crap together and talk about how meaningful it was. And I'm like, seriously, if your welds look like crap because you couldn't be bothered to take the craft of welding seriously, why would I possibly care what you have to say about the world? I am more tame about my beliefs that way these days, but I still feel strongly that like if you're going to put something out into the world that you care about, freaking, you know, make sure that the details are right. And as I said that to my daughter, as I said, you know, that's a profound insight and I really admire her craft, something clicked in me. And I just turned to her and I said, do you want to know why I admire her craft so much? And, you know, my daughter, who hears me talk all the time, as you can imagine, if I can do this audio recording, I have a lot of opinions and I talk a lot, which is not the greatest look for a dad of a 14-year-old, but whatever, some of it's getting in there. And she kind of like, yeah, yeah, why? And I was like, because it can't be faked. It's kind of like if you see a person who is fit, that they didn't they if they have muscles they didn't buy those you have either put in the reps or you haven't you cannot take a pill for your craft you cannot buy it you just can't fake it and I always the people who know know and most of the time even the people who can't articulate it can feel it and so One of the reasons that everyone in the world is gaga over Taylor Swift is because her craft is absolutely impeccable. And she started with a songwriter, being a songwriter, and her craft in seemingly everything is impeccable. And clearly, even in public relations, it seems to be impeccable. And I think that there is potential for craft in everything as the fire trucks drive by. Hi, fireman. Thank you very much. I hope everyone's okay. So there's potential for craft in everything. Everything has a way to telegraph that you respect the work that you're doing enough that you are willing to toil for ages to get it right, that you are willing to write thousands of songs so that you might have one song that people love. And that's why I really enjoy Taylor Swift, not because she's famous or sequiny or rich or in the news or, you know, because she's dating Travis Kelsey or whatever, like whatever, but also good for her it is clear that she is a focused hard worker who is put in the reps. And because of that, she puts out well-crafted works of poetry that help me connect with the few humans that I love more than life. And I, I mean, there's nothing else to say about it other than that. She's a great songwriter because she's put in the reps writing song after song after song, thousands and thousands probably. And that's something to admire. All of the rest is just Sequiny window dressing. And frankly, from my perspective, if you have put in the reps, if you are the greatest in the world at something, and I do think that there's just no denying that Taylor Swift is one of the greatest songwriters working, I'm not saying she's the greatest. I'm not saying you like that kind of music. I'm just saying you have to admire. If you love music, you have to admire that she's good at doing what she does. And then if that's the case, then you get to choose all the rest and we don't get to say a word about it. All right. I've blabbered on for almost 30 minutes. I hope, hope, hope that you have a spectacular week. I hope you are pushing yourself to be the best version of yourself that you can possibly be. I hope that for you. And I hope that for me, truly, I want to live in a world where I am surrounded by people who are grinding because they love it and because it makes the world awesome. So I hope that for you. I know you will feel better if that's the case. Have a wonderful week. I'll talk to you soon.